too few people think about retention when it comes to email, and they think so much about acquisition, 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 not just in email, just in general in marketing. Uh, there's so much focus on acquisition because it's exciting to get new customers. It is. Uh, but retaining them is, you know, obviously very important. You're spending all this money up front acquiring them. So let's keep them in the, uh, the ecosystem, as well as obviously the fact that when you retain them, then they become customer advocates and they help you expand your user base and they help with acquisition. Um, so definitely there are so many things you can do for retention uh, to, to build that loyalty and, and continue that loyalty. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. What email copy is likely to resonate with your target market and what's likely to turn them off? And has this changed much over the years? That's what we're discussing today with a lady who was the copywriter behind winning emails for eight and nine figure e-com and SaaS darlings like Four, Sigmatic and Shopify. She's the former head of email at Copyhackers and the current founder of the Nikki Elbaz email consulting firm. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Nikki Elbaz. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Nikki. You can find Nikki over at NikkiElbaz.com. So, Nikki, is email more or less important than it used to be? I would argue that email is always important. It has been important and it is important. But what I think has changed is the idea that now we have to incorporate so much more than just email, that we have to be thinking more omnichannel. We have to be incorporating SMS. We have to be incorporating Facebook Messenger um, and just talking to all the different channels that our users are using and working in tandem and not just focusing on email, but focusing on everything and, and building this complete user journey with all the different touch points that everyone is using nowadays with email being one of them. Got you. Okay. So email used to work well as a silo marketing channel, but nowadays to make it successful, probably because I guess people are used to seeing your brand in lots of different places. They want to experience a consistent messaging for, from that same brand. Yes. And, you know, once you see a brand in one place and then you see it in another place and, and you're hanging out in all these different places, you know, your, your messaging that you're getting from everywhere is very fractured. You know, you're seeing all sorts of different things. You're, 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 consuming so much content in so many, so many different places that seeing a brand show up in all the different channels makes it more of a cohesive, unified kind of experience um, where we'll see stats like if you send out an email and then you send a follow-up text, your open rates will actually increase by, I believe it was 30% um, versus if you just send out that email. So you're just getting more traction, you're getting more eyeballs, you're getting more of this cohesive feeling where it's an interesting thing because you would think, okay, so then just that SMS would get that that higher open because they're seeing your name in one place, they're seeing it in another place. So then they want to pay more attention and open that that text. But they'll actually go back to the email. And then when they see the email again, they'll open that email as well. So you're, you're getting more traction for the different pieces because people like this cohesive kind of uh, experience where everything comes together. 
So does that mean that you have to choose a platform that's capable of sending SMS and perhaps other forms of chat messages as well? Or is it possible just as easily to tie up different platforms that do different things? Yeah, we've had clients that do both, you know, either everything in one platform or just, you know, picking that one that does just email, that does just SMS, that does just uh, messenger, does just uh, cold calling even. We've done that too. Um, so yeah, you can you can do either. And it's a question of, you know, having everything in one platform obviously gives you the clearest data, the most, you know, the, the results, the reporting that you can really, really trust. It's all in one platform versus, you know, having the platforms that are very tailored to exactly what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, so the trade-off is, is like that. Now we're going to talk a little bit about um, the different types of emails that uh, work more effectively depending on the different stage of a buyer journey the user happens to be on. Uh, but I mean, just before we get to that, I mean, in general, would you say the form of email or the style of email or the frequency of email that is most effective nowadays has changed much compared with a few years ago? I would say that a few years ago, we didn't have as much capability tech-wise to do behavioral-based emails, where it was a lot more limited what we could do, uh, how much we could do, whether we could even do it at all, whether you know brands wanted to invest in the tech for that. Um, so that definitely has changed. And that is a huge shift because behavioral-based emails are so, so, so much more effective. So any brand that is now able to give behavioral based emails based on behavior that their users are doing triggered on what they are doing what they're not doing all that kind of thing it's so so much more effective so has the style changed you know styles are always changing but more than the style is the response to how people are using the software to the experiencing the product to whatever whatever it is getting that really tailored journey that's what has changed more than anything else, I believe. I think it'd be worthwhile um, just to dive into what you said there a little bit more deeply because um, um, behaviour emails are something that all of us have experienced, whether we know it or not. Recently, I, have, I was um, on a flowers website and um, for, uh, I think, delivery reasons, I decided not to go ahead because they couldn't actually deliver on the day I wanted. Uh, but half an hour later, I got an email with a 10% voucher to say, if you go ahead, then there you go. That's obviously some kind of behaviour mechanism that they've got in place, a role-based email that goes out there as well. What's um, one or two examples of other behaviour emails that are particularly effective at the moment? Yeah, abandoned cart emails, which is what you just described, is definitely the number one that that has been in place. The tech has been in place for that for quite a while, which is why we're so familiar with them. But now, for example, a SaaS company, they can see what users are doing on the software, what they're not doing, uh, which features they're interacting with, which features they haven't even seen yet, um, and tailor the user onboarding experience or the activation experience to the way that people are using the software. So the same way when you're in the software, you'll get, you know, little pop-up uh, tips and things like that. You can also be getting emails that are triggering based on what you are or are not doing. Transactional uh, <laughs> transactional emails are also behavioral-based. We don't often think of that, them like that, but transactional emails do very, very well because they're behavioral-based. Because someone just placed an order, you are sending them an email right off the back of that. Someone is waiting for delivery. They open the door. The package is on their doorstep. They get the email that says, hey, your package arrived. That's behavioral based. So yeah, there's all sorts of examples and places where we can stick them in. And as, as frequently as we can stick them in, the more effective our email strategy is going to be. So then it would be great to get a feel for what you think um, in terms of email 
is the most effective type of email for different stages of the of the, of the buyer journey. Um, so maybe starting off with awareness. Now, uh, I think we're all used to nowadays uh, being contacted on a cold email basis, perhaps from uh, a LinkedIn scraper or perhaps from some other email list that's being gathered from different um, <laughs> different places online. Is email a valid uh, communications medium um, for that awareness stage? Or would you say that um, it's not necessarily the best for the, the, the awareness part of the journey? I actually think that in the awareness phase, email is more respectful than, say, a LinkedIn outreach or or something that's more of a push platform than a pull platform because you are approaching them. And as long as you do it respectfully and you tailor the messaging so that it's very relevant. You know, we get so huffy about cold email because often it's done so badly. Whereas with, you know, on LinkedIn or on Twitter, just the fact that people are reaching out kind of gets us a little bit huffy in general because it's supposed to be relationship building. It's supposed to be more of a place where we're just, you know, surfing for content and and learning and then getting that immediate sell feels a little off-putting. Whereas in email to get an immediate sell, it fits the platform a little bit more because it's just a communication platform. It's not a place where people are engaging and, and trying to build relationships. Yes, you can build relationships in email for sure. You know, if, if your mom sends you an email, you know, that's more relationship building than sales. Um, and, you know, we're used to getting nurture content and things like that in email, but it's, it is less of a community and more of this one-on-one where one-on-one, a sale is appropriate. Uh, so I, I would say that email is actually a better fit for for cold pitching. But again, you have to do it right. You have to make sure your messaging is very relevant and uh, do it respectfully. What's an example of a recent cold pitch that you've received or perhaps sent that um, has particularly resonated with you, that you, you've looked at the text or you looked at the headline, the, the subject rather than actually, and, and thought, that's really nicely done? So I actually just ran a, uh, an email accelerator uh, teaching email uh, strategy for e-commerce and SaaS brands. And we just yesterday had a guest speaker on speaking about cold pitching. And she recently cold pitched me. And she was the only person that I've ever been cold pitched that I said yes to. So definitely her pitch was very uh, effective and very respectful and very relevant. And her whole strategy that she broke down in the this masterclass that she gave for this course was about not doing things at scale and doing things very personalized and very well-researched, finding exactly what the person needs, why they need it, how they can help, uh, and really building up the relationship rather than just the sale. So it wasn't, you know, that sandwich of compliments of like, you know, I love this. And then at the bottom, I love this. And then in the middle is all this whole, you know, paragraphs of all the things I'm doing wrong and how she can help fix them. Um, It was just very respectful, very much Uh, admiring what I've built and then telling me how she can help me, you know, just further things and, and just be a support for me. So that was impressive on its own right. But what I found even more impressive was I told her my objections to what she was asking to help with. And the clarity of response to that showed me that she had such a handle on the way my business works, the way the working relationship would be, you know, she she clearly had experience working with copywriters before subcontracting work. And just she just met my objections with so much equanimity and so much responsibility almost. And I found that to be very, very impressive that it was it was such a clear fit. So it was less about the pitch, although she 
clearly phrased everything perfectly and, and thought things through, but it was more that she was such a perfect fit because she had done so much research and she had so much experience. So that was very interesting to see that it's not just about the pitch, it's about making sure you know your audience very well and you know that you're a fit for your audience. Now, the consideration f- uh, phase for B2B brands or brands with longer sales cycles have traditionally involved things like white papers. So, I mean, first of all, is something like that still a great idea in terms of generating signups to your email list? And then secondly, I think a lot of brands don't necessarily do a good job with actually articulating that um, they're going to continue to communicate with someone after they download a document. Um, so so how should that message be articulated? Should it be as part, a part of the landing page? Uh, should it be on the initial email? How, how do you blend those two different styles of communication together? That's a very good point. And I think that's why you'll see that instead of a white paper, if you do something like an email course, um, you know, you'll see better open rates and, and click through rates for things like that. Not that it always makes sense. Sometimes white papers are a better strategy, but just that you'll see that difference in engagement metrics. But yeah, there's a whole discussion now about, you know, whether content should be gated, whether it shouldn't be gated. And I'm definitely on the gated side because I think that follow up is so critical where the proponents of ungated tell you that uh, if if they're looking for it there and you're giving quality content, then they'll come back to you. And there's definitely truth to that. But People often need reminders. They they often will forget the pain that they're experiencing. And then, you know, three months later when they're like, okay, I really got to figure out a solution for this. What was that thing I downloaded? Where is it? I deleted it. I had no more storage on my computer. Um, you know, and then they, they don't always remember you. And it's not, uh, you know, that you didn't do a good job with the white paper, but that it's just human nature that we procrastinate decisions, that we forget, you know, all the different things that we've downloaded. Um, and I think having that email follow-up really keeps that engagement. And I, I think it is important to continue it. But yes, to manage that expectation up front in the beginning, even in that, you know, on the landing page is a great idea in that initial email where they download the white paper from that confirmation link, you know, say, we're, we're going to follow up with more valuable content for you. So that's another idea behind on uh, keeping things gated is that you get to continue the conversation and the engagement, not just in a sales way, but in a okay, you read this, now what are the next steps and how are we going to be taking this versus just like, okay, take your white paper, enjoy it on your own, no support, no guidance, no helping you continue using it in a way that that will serve you best. Now, we talked about emails assisting conversions a little bit earlier with things like um, someone adding something to a cart and perhaps not taking immediate action and then uh, having an email go out to assist with that or encourage that or to give some kind of offer. So I'd like to just jump to loyalty because I'm sure that email could be used very effectively to encourage someone who's just become a customer to stay being a customer for a long time. Um, So can you think of one or two examples of how to use email to improve loyalty? 100%. And I think too few people think about retention when it comes to email. And they think so much about acquisition, 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 not just in email, just in general in marketing. Uh, There's so much focus on acquisition because it's exciting to get new customers. It is. uh, But retaining them is, you know, obviously very important. You're spending all this money upfront acquiring them. So let's keep them in the, uh, the ecosystem, as well as obviously the fact that when you retain them, then they become customer advocates and they help you expand your user base and they 
help with acquisition. Um, so definitely there are so many things you can do for retention uh, to, to build that loyalty and, and continue that loyalty. Obviously, there's things like uh, loyalty programs, even requesting a review. It sounds like an ask or requesting feedback. It sounds like you're asking for something from the customer, which you are, and you should respect their time, et cetera, et cetera. But often customers want to talk to the brands and they appreciate the brands reaching out and saying, hey, uh, you know, we care about your experience. We want to hear more. Uh, I was just speaking with a founder of a company who about three months after launch, they, they, they did phenomenally well in that first three months. And they were just like, whoa, what just happened? We need to do some user research. And they reached out to their customers and they were very, very scared to hit send on this survey request email because, you know, this is so common like to to ask for feedback, you know, like it's it's annoying for people, you know, we don't want to bother our customers, et cetera, et cetera. And the responses that they got, like they, <laughs> he said he was just refreshing the page, refreshing the page, refreshing the page. They were just getting responses and responses and responses and such deep responses. They really took the time to, in that, you know, that last question that was just like an open-ended question. They were just getting all this juice and 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 it was just so gratifying to see that people really like to give feedback and it's it's not an ask. It it, it is an ask, but it's also it's also giving. Uh so even even something like that can be a loyalty play. Yeah, lots of great um thoughts there as well. Obviously people want to receive email if it's the right email, so don't be afraid of sending an email. But also the importance of sending that request for a review at the right time as well. I think a lot of firms do it a little bit early as well. Do you do anything to try and establish the right moment to send that email out? Absolutely. And that ties back into the whole behavior thing. A lot of times you'll get a review email either before delivery, which makes no sense, um, or right after delivery, which could sometimes that works, you know, if it's a snack and they, you know, you think they're going to buy, uh, you know, it, eat it right after delivery. You know, just kind of understanding your customers and knowing how they use your product, running some qualitative research and understanding when is the best time to ask that review, uh, that that feedback, that review, whatever it is, knowing where all these points should be in the journey, uh, getting that from the research, definitely, definitely, you know, that way, you know, no one's going to send a review if they didn't even receive the product yet. So uh, definitely, yeah. There's a lot of even even a referral request will often be at the wrong time. It will be after a first purchase, which could make sense. But often the first time you purchase something, you're just not feeling loyal enough for something like referring to a friend. And that would even be better suited after a repeat purchase. So just, yeah, digging in a little bit more deeply, understanding where they are, both from a logical perspective and from a talking to your customers and hearing their experience perspective. So what's an example of a brand that's making great use of email at the moment? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, it's funny because so many are doing it so wrong, but uh, there's definitely a lot, uh, a lot of fun I'm ones. tempted to ask for some brand names here that are doing <laughs> terribly. <yeah. laughs> it's just, you know, sign up for uh, like half, half the email list uh, in the world. But uh, I guess my favorite from like, you know, I'll have, you know, ones that I cycle through that I, I like them for a period of a few months. And I think the one that has consistently stayed on my list is Drizzly. They are an alcohol delivery brand. And what I like, what they do really well is that 
everything is very on voice, very on tone. They, they're very consistent in that sense. And they also really manage to balance the campaigns and the automations very well. So the customer experience and the lead experience and all that is very smooth because they've built their flows really, really well. And then also the campaigns that they send out, you know, they're very consistent with them. They have the, the right communications. I can't say that I open all the campaigns because it's often not relevant. I use them mostly for gifting, but just seeing how robust they are, but how strategic. And it's not just like sending out campaigns every single week for the sake of sending out campaigns, that the customer experience with all the flows is also set up properly. Uh, It's just like such a nice balance. And they're just funny. They're just, they're just fun emails. So not necessarily thinking about what we've been talking about so far. What is the number one thing marketers need to incorporate into their strategy? Email. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm biased about that, but not quite. Um, it's, it's a channel that has amazing ROI. It's a channel that really gets you building that relationship. So whereas, you know, with other channels that are also giving you ROI, they're less relationship building. Um, so they pay off less, both from like a, uh, an actual metric perspective, and then as a brand building perspective as well. You know, again, yes, work in tandem with everything. But yeah, the There are kind of two camps where people think that email is amazing. They hear the stats, but they don't really believe it because they're annoyed at all the emails that they get because they haven't experienced good email. And then also that camps that's just like, no, I've never heard these stats. I I just don't believe it. Uh, You know, the future is in ads or things like that. So yeah, definitely. uh, I think every brand should be doing email, Uh, even small brands. They just should be doing it differently, different strategies. Um, but it's it's a medium that really builds the relationship and also has great ROI. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Nikki over at NikkiElbaz.com. Nikki, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. InsightsForProfessionals.com.